and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Naved Dromi, Director of MEF Israel, join us to discuss progress with Israel victory. Naved will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Naved Dromi. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I hope I will manage to get you interested in what we did the last year uh, and to review all of our achievements that were very nice. And I have to say that even though COVID-19, for obvious reasons, many times took, took over the headlines, we managed to do great things that put it IVP and the Israel Victory Project um, in very good and high places. We got to politicians, we got to the public, and we arrived to different levels of Israelis, and even to the IDF itself. And I will explain by beginning with the first achievement and one of the biggest one, one of the problems of victory in Israel in the recent decades is that it seems like the IDF itself gave up on the value of victory. Um, even in the smallest things, it seems like the vocabulary of the former chiefs of staff didn't include words like victory, defeat of the enemy. And in the last, uh, in the last year, and especially during the time that Aviv Kohavi uh, is the chief of staff, we are he hearing more and more the word victory. We are hearing more about the need to defeat uh, Israel enemies, to show Israel enemies that Israel is strong. And obviously, one of the biggest achievements in this area is the fact that one of the, one of the media channels in Israel said that momentum, in Hebrew we call it Nufa, the program the chief of staff Kohavi wrote for the IDF is being influenced by the Israel Victory Project. Obviously, I see the connection about um, one year ago, we had the first conference in many years about victory. We had two of the most leading um, army journalists, uh, two former very high-ranked officers speaking about how does victory looks like and why the IDF doesn't try to gain a victory anymore. So this change from speaking about how the IDF forgot about a victory to seeing how the chief of staff itself putting victory in momentum in the program that plans the world plan for the IDF for the next years. This is something really incredible. Another achievement we had is in what we called pay for slay. And the PLO, as you all know, um, gets a funding uh, and some of this funding, a great amount of this funding goes to prisoners and they call it political prisoners we call it terrorists terrorists that sits in israeli prison 
for crimes they did, crimes against Jews, against Israelis, and they receive money. For example, I don't know if you heard about the murder of uh, Estelle Horogan uh, two days ago, um, but if her killer will get caught and will sit in Israel prison, the PLO will pay him a salary and the salary will go and will grow as the crime is more horrific. Um, so we managed to put a spotlight on this issue that for many years, it was very comfortable for Israeli politicians to ignore. They didn't realize that this is something that actually takes us back from gaining victory. And we managed to put spotlight on this issue and we approached to Knesset members and we asked them to bring this to the attention of the legislature. We asked them to push towards doing something about it. And what we saw about last month, last month is that the PLO itself is beginning to hide the fact that they are paying this. And they are also, they also said in some Arabic website that they are just that they are considering uh, to go back with this funding. Uh, we'll see what will happen with that, but definitely this is, was one of the achievements. We worked together with the Palestinian Media Watch organization in order to get it. We approached again to Knesset members, and we also got a lot of media attention. And hopefully, we'll see something practical uh, in the soon future. Um, regarding uh, this last point and the pay for slay and the money that the PLO transferred to the prisoners, one of the events we did was bringing together the Victory Caucus uh, with uh, different Knesset members from all different parties um, to speak about the lynching Ramallah that uh, we mentioned 20 years in last October for the lynch in Ramallah. We spoke again about how some of the murderers in this terrible event uh, are still in the Israeli prison, getting a lot of money for the crime they did. And we spoke with the Knesset members and we asked them, what are they going to do in order to make events like this be something that the Palestinians will be afraid of. Back in the days when it happened, Palestinians were proud of what they did. They were parking in the streets. And we asked the Knesset members, what changed from 20 years ago? Did something change? Did Israel did something that made the Palestinians understand that they will only lose if they will behave this way? Um, we got answers. Uh, the Knesset members were with us. Some of them said that Israel failed in the recent years to defeat the Palestinians in different area. And this conference uh, was also uh, very successful in the way that people spoke about it also afterwards. And when we summarize all the views in the different media, in a YouTube, in a Facebook Live, 
Um, we also um, video the conference live in a channel seven. We had more than thousand people watching it in the same time. We also got um, Alex Norgit. I don't know if you remember the lynch in Ramallah. It was something that affected um, the perception of so many Israelis. And we got one of the brothers of uh, one of the victims and his, his testimony on how the IDF responses to the event and how the government never really punished those terrorists. It was very shocking to many Israelis that saw the conference and didn't know um, how Israel reacted to this event. And uh, again, it gained a lot of media beside the viewers. And um, another thing that we did right after this event is trying to push the victory uh, discussion to other areas. For example, Temple Mount. Uh, after Israel, uh, the United States and the UAE declared that they're going to sign an agreement, we thought about a creative way to speak about victory. Uh, obviously, everyone talked about how this agreement is a huge step toward the victory of Israel. But we sent a letter and we also organized at least nine organizations with us to send it to the UAE. We found someone that will send, that will transfer the letter um, to the, to the regime in a, the, of the UAE. And um, we wrote there that a bigger victory um, of the countries and a step that will bring Israel toward peace even closer is to show the Palestinians that the way that they treat um, Jews and uh, non other non-Muslims on Temple Mount cannot, cannot keep, I mean, it won't last uh, for long. Um, I don't know if you know, but on Temple Mount, uh, Jews don't have the rights like uh, others. Uh, Israel itself uh, cooperate with the Waqf and uh, doesn't give uh, very basic rights that other people uh, have on Temple Mount. And we took advantage of these agreements to try and bring victory also to this area. Um, another a big step we did is to cooperate with Miftahi. Miftahi is an organization of uh, former commanders, uh, high-rank commanders in the IDF that are not afraid to speak about victory, to speak about our enemy's defeat. And we cooperate with them in order to bring to the front of the Israeli discourse the voice of those commanders that weren't heard for so many long, for so many years. And we made sure that they write articles, that uh, they are show that they are uh, being hosted in uh, TV shows. We made a video with a uh, former IDF commanders from different um, side of the political map speaking about Israel's victory. This video was very popular um, and also gained us a lot of attention. And the last uh, point I want to mention is the billboards that we've hanged in the beginning of the year. We had a campaign um, toward the, uh, 
the first uh, elections in Israel. And in the billboards, we had uh, Ismail Amiya and uh, Abu Mazen uh, on their knees, uh, showing like they are being defeated. And the billboard said, you only make peace with defeated enemies. And these billboards made a huge public discourse in Israel. Uh, we actually, we finally made Israelis to speak again about the Palestinians and victory and the need to defeat. And what happened is that the mayor of Tel Aviv, most of the billboards are in the area of Tel Aviv, and the mayor of Tel Aviv decided that these billboards are not appropriate, and he gave an order to take it down, which was something that got a huge criticism here in Israel not only because it hurt the right of speech of freedom, but because it also shows how twisted is the mind of some of the Israelis, unfortunately, that doesn't believe that our enemies should be defeated. So what happened is that some of the most known and biggest journalists in Israel wrote about it, wrote about how things change, how people doesn't understand that uh, we have enemies right, uh, right, I mean, across the border. And that the only way to gain peace here in the area is to show them is that they have no chance. Um, it got huge attention. Uh, I was interviewed to several uh, TV stations, radio stations. Uh, in one of the most popular radio stations, uh, I was interviewed uh, with the spokesperson of Tel Aviv, that uh, he compared compared our bill award. Um, I'm sorry, I'm doing this comparison, but he did a comparison between our bill award um, to what uh, ISIS did uh, to Americans and for a Jewish boy in the Holocaust. And this was something that Israelis just couldn't couldn't take the comparison that the spokesperson of Tel Aviv did between the boy uh, in the Holocaust to Abu Mazen. This was something that uh, Israelis couldn't take anymore, especially after the mayor of Tel Aviv decided to take um, the signs off. And we decided that we are not going to just let it go without a, a proper reaction. So we took um, Tel Aviv um, a council to the court um, in the first level uh, we didn't manage um, to 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 win this level but uh, two weeks ago we had another uh, we went up to the higher level to the supreme court and now we are waiting for an answer there were three um, judges in the supreme court from the way that um, the discussion between the judges went, it seems like two out of the three are against the decision of the mayor of Tel Aviv. And we are now waiting to see what will be the result. Obviously, I hope it will be in the favor of us. Um, I hope I managed to give you a quite, a, quite a interesting review 
that will reflect our achievements well. And I am, I would be more than happy to answer questions and to explain more about what we did. Uh, it's been a great year for us, even though COVID-19 made it hard for us. Um, we are dealing with such an important issue and we managed to bring it to the public and, and to politicians and to the IDF in a very creative way. Um, and I hope that you'll uh, and I hope that you'll uh, find uh, the time to stay with us and to support what we do. Uh, thank you so much, Neva. We have quite a few questions coming in. Um, before we get started, though, can you just define what victory would look like in this case? I think victory in the end of it, how it would look like, is that Israelis will not have to fear of moving to live in the area around Gaza, an area that uh, until the disengagement was completely quiet. I think uh, peace uh, will look in a way that uh, we will not see soldiers uh, when we drive in uh, areas um, that are quite peaceful, like the area that uh, Esther Horagant was murdered uh, two uh, days ago. This is, this is the way that I see it. Uh, I see the peace um, as something that, the same peace we have now with Morocco, with the UAE. The peace with Egypt is not something that I'm willing for. It's a cold peace, but definitely what we see now with Morocco, with uh, the UAE, with Bahrain, this is something that I really hope we will have one day. Thank you, me too. Um, regarding the pay to slay, uh, when Bennett was defense minister, our, our questioner asked, he heard uh, he withheld tax payments to the PA equally uh, to uh, the pay to slay amount, uh, but Gantz reversed this policy with holding the amount. Is this true? And if so, why? Yeah, it's true. It's true, Gantz, uh, for his reasons, um, did, uh, did reverse it. Uh, he did it because most of his uh, voters uh, are identified with the Israeli left and they would want to see this money goes to the PLO. Uh, so I believe that, uh, I don't know if you know, yeah, Israel is going to elections again. So uh, I believe that uh, if there will be a new a defense minister that is more identified with the Israeli right. Uh, I hope that they will choose again uh, the ben what Bennett did with stopping the, the salary for post-folk terrorists. Thank you. And what did Ko Havadi, Havai change in military doctrine? What Ko Havi did, um, you know, it's something which might seem very shallow, but it's not. I'll give you an example. And um, there was an event a few years ago um, of a soldier, that, of a group of soldiers, a team, that came to, um, to events that the uh, Palestinians acted there violently. And uh, once the event, um, once the event ended, um, one of the soldiers stayed there 
in order to make sure that uh, no one is being hurt from the Palestinian side. And this soldier was murdered by a Palestinian terrorist that went, that uh, drove by. And this uh, soldier that got killed got so much uh, compliments from people in Israel for being such a moral, for staying there to keep the Palestinian and to sacrifice his life. I mean, something in the IDF DNA for some reason changed. It wasn't no more about gaining victory. It was more about how to end this event or this event in relatively peace way. I'll give you another example. Um, you know what? No, I will stop with this example. What happened in Israel that, as I said, um, due to an NGO, a human rights organization, and other left-wing organization that pushed the IDF to be a more moral, to, um, to keep more about the civilian lives say, of the enemies, to make sure that they don't hurt um, innocent people, which is something very important, yes? But what happened during the time is that the life of the other uh, became more important than the life of the soldiers and soldiers ourselves, or sometimes even uh, Israeli citizens. And victory became something people don't speak about because what we need to do is to make sure that nothing happened, that everything stays in the same, um, in the same level, that we don't uh, go into an operation or something because people might get killed, Palestinians might get, might get killed, Israel will get uh, criticism uh, around the world and uh, we will be uh, under boycott. And somehow the Israeli DNA changed. I feel that in one point the IDF even convinced itself that the Israeli public won't stand in wars and operation, which is wrong. The Israeli public is very strong when it comes to these points. And Kohavi changed it. Kohavi from the first day spoke about victory and how we need to show our enemies that we are strong. And here I'm getting to my example. Three days ago, uh, in a junction uh, uh, in uh, the Shamon, a soldier stood in a, in a place where he needs to keep. And the Palestinian came with his car. He left, he went out of his car. He had a bottle, I don't know how to call it in English, um, a bottle which had something, things that you throw it in someone, it's, and it's burning. And these Palestinians, went out of the car, he threw this, he got closer to the soldier, he was like two meters away, he threw the bottle and the soldier did nothing. He didn't respond, he didn't shoot in the air, he just stood there, took uh, two steps away and that's it, nothing. The Palestinians went back to his car and drove away. A day after this soldier lost his job, he was punished for not doing something against this, this guy, this uh, terrorist. 
the fact that it didn't try to warn him with shooting to the air, that it didn't even turn the, the, the gun toward him, that it even tried to do something. And this is something that I don't think we could have seen a few years ago. The fact that a soldier is being punished for doing nothing. Wow, that's a great point. Um, so how can there be peace with the Palestinians if they have no set state? They have no set state? Yeah, they you're making peace with Morocco and the UAE and they have like the governments, but the Palestinian Authority, is that someone that could potentially work towards peace? If I understood right, the question is that we could make peace with the Palestinians once they have states? Yes, I guess that can. My answer for this is that I think the Palestinians had many chances to have state and they had many opportunities. And even now, no one stopped them from declaring their state. If Abu Mazen now is standing in Ramallah and saying that uh, he declared the Palestinian state, Israel won't send uh, tanks to Ramallah. They won't send division to Ramallah. Um, the Palestinians don't have state uh, because I think they still have the hope to have our state. Uh, and victory is about how you, how you make them lose this hope. So along those lines, can you describe specific actions that Israel, the IDF, and the government should carry out to advance the goal of victory? I'll give you an example from Protective Edge Operation in 2014. And you know, one of the basic uh, things that you have to keep in mind, to keep, to keep in mind when you fight, is to fight quick, to fight fast. This is the way that you have less lost. This is the way that you catch the enemy in a way that he can't respond. This is something that Clausewitz spoke about thousands of years ago. For many years, Israel is part of losing the, the DNA of the victory. Israel has a very long operations. Protective edge was lasting very long because Israel was afraid to take um, a big step. So it was a 51 days operation. And what uh, made it end is that in the last days of the operation, Israel bombed uh, a few, um, I forgot the name in English, a few very high buildings in Gaza, which made the Hamas surrender. So imagine how it could look like if Israel would take this step earlier. Um, how we could uh, end the threat of tunnels from Gaza to Israel, if Israel would uh, bump those areas earlier. Uh, some of these areas are even not populized. Uh, Hamas used to dig there without people in, in the area. Other tunnels who have uh, around people, Israel is used to notify these people before it's doing something. Israel became very, very gentle 
about the way it's trying to maintain security of its citizens and to gain victory. The problem is that um, wars and uh, our kind of wars is usually wars that we are being forced for. Um, we are not trying to get to a point where we win. We are trying to get to a point where we just, in the same point, we, just, we started it. And I think the Israeli government, what it needs to do is to decide. Once they decide they want to gain a victory, they can. Uh, the IDF has the ability. It's one of the best armies in the world. As I see it, it's mainly a, um, it's mainly a decision. So now, how much does world view of Israel play a part in this gentle nature towards Palestinians? Um, a lot. I think a lot, especially before, uh, especially before the current uh, U.S. administration. Um, a very known sentence that the former, uh, the former, former, former security minister, defense minister, Bogi Alon said was doing protective edge when he said that Israel need to go to a ceasefire because it will give us legitimation in the eyes of the world. Uh, ceasefires are very bad when you are fighting. Um, soldiers are being killed because obviously the Hamas doesn't respect ceasefires. And um, to be honest, um, in the next operation, it will be interesting to see how the world react um, after we have these agreements uh, with some of the Arab countries. Uh, I believe that they will condemn Israel, uh, but even if it will be something very, it might be something very shallow. Um, they might say to the media and to the public, yes, we'll condemn Israel. Um, but underneath the table, they will say they have no problem. Um, to be honest, I mean, it does affect Israel. I don't think it will change. Understood. And why do you think Israel is singled out for this worldview like that versus any other country that would be able to defend themselves? Wow, it's a very long answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> why Israel is being signaled? Um, double standard. Um, where do I begin? I think it's a double standard. I think uh, some people, it's very convenient for them to think that if this conflict will end, and then the rest of the problems of the world will end. Um, I remind you that for many decades, uh, we were told that Israel won't be able to achieve peace with other Arab countries as long as uh, there will be no peace between us and the Palestinians. So now we made peace with other Arab countries. Do I think the Europeans now will get convinced that we don't have connection to problems of the world? No. Um, I don't know how deep should I take you in this answer, but I think it's something 
um, that is not just an international relationship. It's something about Israel being also a Jewish uh, state. Mm. And there are uh, bigger names than myself that spoke about it and explained better than me why Israel is being signaled. Mm. Of course, and for any of our viewers that would like to support the Israel Victory Project, please feel free to go to our website, www.meforum.org backslash participation, backslash again, uh, and then in the remarks, notes, and special request box, please just write IVP. Uh, Naveth, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You gave us a great update on the Israel Victory Project, and we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And for our viewers, as you finish up your holiday shopping this year, we'd like to remind you that we are a part of the Amazon Smile Charity Program. You can select the Middle East Forum as your charity and the Amazon will donate 0.5% of the price of eligible purchases to the charity of your choice. So far this year, we have received over $1,000 through this program. And as a reminder, there will be no webinar on Friday because of Christmas. For those of our viewers that celebrate that, Merry Christmas. And thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you again, Nova. Thank you.